गुड मॉर्निंग एवरीबॉडी आई स्निग्धा शर्मा आई एम गोइंग टू प्रेजेंट द हिंदू एडिटोरियल डेटेड फोर्थ नवंबर 2020. दिस पॉडकास्ट इज फॉर दोज हु डू नॉट हैव टाइम टू रीड न्यूज़पेपर पेपर लेट्स गेट स्टार्टेड हैप्पी प्रिपरेशन द एनालिसिस ऑफ द एडिटोरियल इज गिवन ऑन द लास्ट सेगमेंट ऑफ द पॉडकास्ट The first article of the day is A Fragile French Republic. Laite Lasite, a project of social cohesion and a key component of citizenship, cannot by itself fix social and political problems. This article is written by Emile Shebel. The recent series of terrorist attacks have come at the worst possible time for France. For months, the country has been struggling with the surge in COVID-19 cases. The recent lockdown with its onerous onerous paperwork requirements and sharp restrictions on everyday life has been greeted with a weary shrug by most French people. This time they know what to expect. It is much the same with the specter of terrorism which has been around for far longer than COVID-19. The French have come grimly accustomed to watching news reports about attacks committed against French citizens in the name of Islam. Even the media carousel has become familiar. There is footage of the crime scene cordoned off with the flashing lights of police cars and ambulances. This is followed by a brief period of uncertainty about the cause or the perpetrators, usually accompanied by the somber faces of politicians. Finally, as information starts to trickle out, the emotions flood in, the charts show light up, the public pronouncements begin. The symbol of Samuel party, yet despite the predictable storyline, all but the most cynical observers were taken aback by the assassination of the school teacher Samuel Patti ambushed and beheaded on October 16 2020 in a leafy genteel distant suburb of Paris Patti stood accused by his assailant of having violated the long standing muslim tradition that prohibits representation of the prophet Muhammad The attacker was an 18-year-old Shishan refugee who lived 80 kilometers from the scene at the attack. He had heard on social media that party had shown in class some of the car- cartoons of the Prophet Muhammad which were published by the French satirical satirical magazine Charlie Hebdo in 2011 and 2012. More than 5 years after the first devastating attack on Charlie Hebdo's office in January 2015 and with the perpetrators currently standing trial party's assassination was designed to shock the french public and produce a reaction across muslim world by reignition a culture war that had begun to fade in the wake of the covid-19 crisis But the symbolism went further than a spectacular violence. Patty was a history and geography teacher in a French state school. His job, like mine, was to teach young people about the importance of the past. He was leading a class on free speech. 
By all accounts, he was careful and sensitive in the way he presented his material, including the cartoons in Shirley Hebdo. He was doing what every good teacher does, pushing his students to think differently about the world around them. Patty then was anything but exceptional. Every person who has attended a French school in the past century or more has had a history and geography teacher like him. He was quite literally a symbol of the everyday life of France. Schools and secularism. The powerful reaction to Patty's assassination was not simply a reflection of the fact that everyone could identify with him. It also had to do with his profession. Since the, since the start of the Third Republic in 1870, teachers have been at the forefront of the French state's mission to unify its diverse population. In the late 19th and early 20th centuries, state school teachers were responsible for converting young people in rural France away from the heavy hand of Catholic dogma and the super spearheaded efforts to educate and civilize indigenous people in the French colonies. In recent decades, teachers have been charged with trying to integrate France's myriad ethnic minority communities. They are seen and often see themselves as engines of social unity in a notoriously divided country. Of the many things that teachers are expected to do, one of the most important is to embody the principle of lassity, often translated as secularism. Lassity is better understood as a project of social cohesion and a key component of French citizenship. It encompasses not simply the formal separation of church and state, but also the evacuation of religious values from the public space and the replacement with secular values such as liberty, equality and fraternity. Traditionally, teachers have seen lassity as a progressive idea. But its meaning in contemporary France no longer always matches the lofty principles that underpin it. Indeed, for many people today, lassity is mainly about Islam. This reflects France's recent history. The decolonization of French colonies in Africa in the 1950s and 1960s brought the problem of Islam into a sharp focus. As the French tried and failed to manage Muslims in unprecedented members. Subsequently, France was the site of violence that spilled over from the Algerian civil war in the 1990s. Around the same time, it also experienced a series of public controversies over the wearing of the hijab in state schools and other public places, often spurred on by a far-right party committed to the stigmatization of the immigrants and Muslims. These factors hardened attitude towards both Islam and lassity. While it was once a bulwark against Catholic obscurantism, lassity also came to be used as a rhetorical tool against French Muslims. France thereafter became a prime target in the new wave of global Islamist violence that took off in the early 2010s. Compromise or conflict. So, how should France respond to the great going thread of uh, terrorist attacks in the name of Islam? One way would be to compromise. 
this would involve acknowledging that lessity alone cannot fix the country's social and political problems it would also require the french states to recognize that france has almost without realizing it become part of the muslim world it cannot stand apart from conflicts over religious practices that affected countries with much larger pop- population uh, from morocco to indonesia another way would be to double down on french french values this is a path that president emmanuel macron has chosen he and his cabinet have spent a lot of time in recent weeks emphasizing the importance of lassity and denouncing all those who are seen to threaten it in the light of the most recent attacks on a church in nice committed by a young tunisian man who seems to have traveled to france for this expense express purpose such a defensive posture makes sense but mr macron's strategy is a risky one for a start it is almost guaranteed to elicit a hostile response from leaders of muslim majority countries many of whom are keen to find an international issue that can distract from their own domestic problem more than that however the continuous invocation of lesite rests eroding its meaning since the late 19th century lesite has been used to integrate different social and religious minorities into the national community but it has taken on a more exclusionary and anti-muslim quality in recent years paradoxically there has made it hard for the very people whose job it is to teach these values people like the late samuel patty in his case a genuine commitment to freedom of expression an essential part of lassity was manipulated by his attacker to make it appear as he was intent on pursuing an anti-muslim agenda since while it might seem like a good strategy to use the idea of lassity as a shield against an amorphous muslim threat the danger is that this will strip it off its most positive elements and render it useless as an instrument of social integration that more than any terror attack would be a tragedy for all french people muslim or not imar shaban is a reader in history at the university of edinburgh His latest book France is a short introduction of the post war French history. Thank you all happy preparation. The next article of the day is hitting fossil fuel companies where it hurts. Across the world the divestment movement is growing at an encouraging pace. This article is written by Sujita Bairavan. One way to undermine activities concerned with the elite networks of the fossil fuel industry complex is to take aim at their finances. Initial attempts to do this by some environmentalists were ridiculed as being too feeble. But we should recall that the ultimate collapse of apartheid in south africa was due to hardship caused to the regime by divestment divestment movement a committed camp by various organization has over the last decade or more systematically attacked equity or investments and loans or credit available to the fossil fuel industry the campaign's persistence is finally being noticed for its success How much fossil fuel wealth is at stake? Is at stake. 
Saudi Aramco's revenue in 2019 was 111.1 billion dollar. Royal Dutch Shell's revenue was 23.9 billion dollar and Exxon Mobil's was 20.8 billion dollar. And these are just three companies. Arguments for divestment do not apply to India at the at this time. The reason is that India's contribution to the stock of greenhouse gases is minimal. Even in terms of annual flows, the country's contribution is less than 2 tons of CO2 per capita. But the policymakers should take note that the cost of production and storage of renewables are falling precipitously and we therefore need to poise to make a just transition away from coal in the near future. The process will be a complex and necessary involve many sectors and activities including land restoration, local jobs and timely transfer of storage technologies for renewable energy apart from dealing with entrenched vested and political interest. Recent reports from Prayas and the Center for Science and Environment provide pathways for coal power to re- retire in a meaningful frame. pulling the rug a large number of activities including rainforest action network 350.org goes to fossil free people and planet youth protesters university students and faculty and committed people have been undertaking systematic organized rise for divestment from fossil fuel companies companies Divestment is the process by which money put into stocks and bonds of certain companies is withdrawn. In this case, divestment has been directed against companies that extract, refine, sell and make profits from fossil fuel. The purpose is to restrict fossil fuel companies ability to function with no regard for their impact on climate change. The divestment operations targeted large investment funds these are primarily faith based philanthropic educational pension insurance and metropolitan funds noteworthy among these they have divested are the world council of churches large pension funds from france and australia the norwegian sovereign wealth fund the rockefeller brother fund new york city many uk universities the university of california columbia university withdrawal from investing has been partial from certain kind of fossil fuel such as tar sands or full from all fossil fuels as of 2019 it is estimated that more than 100 trillion dollar in assets has been committed to divestment from fossil fuels targeting banks that provide loans to fossil fuel groups organizations that are part of this movement has been hitting the bulls eye quite often with what drew media attention recently was that goldman sachs announced that it would among other things no longer finance new oil drilling in the arctic nation wildlife refugee and also not provide capital for some of the worst kinds of coal mine such as mountain top mining according to the 2020 reports banking on climate change by the rainforest action network after the paris agreement of 2015 where countries agreed to try to limit average global warming to well below 2 degrees celsius 
global banks continued to finance the fossil fuels industry. With a 2.7 trillion, the report finds that big US banks dominate the arena with JP Morgan Chase, Wells Fargo and Citi being the world's top fossil fuel financiers. Financiers in other parts of the world, the Royal Bank of Canada, Barclays in the UK, the Bank of China and the MUFG in Japan dominate the scene. The main fossil fuel subsectors are oil from tar sands, arctic oil and gas from which financing has been increasing, fracked oil and gas, liquefied natural gas, mining of coal for which financing is dominated by Chinese banks and coal power financing again led by Chinese bank. Banks support companies that are expanding fossil fuels including new kinds of fuel and in new places. A total of $975 billion was the bank financing for 100 key oil, gas and coal companies between 2016 and 2019. The report uses a point system to assess a bank policies on ending financing of fossil fuels and finds that Credit Agricole performs best even though it makes only about 40% of the possible points. This demonstrates how misaligned the banking sector is with the goals of the Paris Agreement. Having an effect that these efforts are having an effect is seen from statements made in various finance and invest uh, investment related documents. According to a recent report of the Climate Related Market Risk Subcommittee, a body under the Com- Commodity Future Trading Commission an independent agency of the US government climate changes poses a major risk to the stability of the US financial system regulators need to assess understand and act on them this divestment appears to be putting on the squeeze the industries on october 6 daniel pinto the co-president of jp morgan chase and ceo of its corporate and investment bank announced that the company would help clients navigate the challenges and capitalize on long-term economic and environmental benefits of a low carbon world the bank poses establishing a center for carbon transition and setting intermediate emission targets for 2030 for its financing portfolio companies going bankrupt state that the divestment movement is making it difficult to raise capital shell for instance considers the movement a material risk when banks and investments begin to shift away from fossil fuel companies because they become risky business then the campaign must be having an effect the uc regents investment committee chair said that the university of california was divesting not for ethical reasons but because it considered fossil companies to be risky the divestment movement together bank is gathering steam three members of the rockefeller family have set up Bank FWD which aims to persuade major banks to phase out financing for fossil fuels. All of these changes are positive steps whether these will effectively pull the planet from the brink is unclear. Sujata Bayaravan is a scientist who studies technology, science and development policy. Thank you all happy preparation.
The third article of the day is Bihar Blues. Emotive issues can work only in tandem with articulation of livelihood concerns. More than 54% of voters in 94 seats across 17 districts in Bihar voted in the second of the three-phase assembly elections on Tuesday. The first phase on October 28 had witnessed more than 55% voting in 71 seats. The first phase on October 28 had witnessed more than 55% voting in 71 seats. In the third phase on November 7, the remaining 78 seats across 15 districts with vote. In 2015 of these 94 seats, RJD had won 33, the JDU had 30, the BJP 20 and the Congress 7. The Lok Janshakti Party had won in two constituencies. and the one seat each had gone to the communist party of india marxist leninist and an independent candidate the jdu that came to power in 2015 in alliance with the rjd rjd and the congress made a somersault later and is contesting this year in alliance with the bjp incumbent chief minister nitish kumar's advantage at the beginning appears to have considerably dissipated as the second phase concludes RJD's 30-year-old leader Tejasvi Yadav's unrelenting campaigning has struck a chord with the voters, particularly the youth. Mr. Yadav managed to put the government on the mat on question of employment, health care and out-migration from the state. His promise of 10 lakh job is resonating well among the swelling unemployed population of the state and RJD's alliance with the Congress and the left is working well on the ground. BJP JDU alliance banged on development issues and a formidable social coalition of upper caste extremely backward and mahadalits it claims of double engine process driven by governments in of the in the state and the center is weakened this time due to the mishandling of the covid-19 pandemic by both Mr Yadav's efforts to underplay identity oriented mobilization strategies and advance a new vocabulary for politics is laudatory but fraught with risk. The response from the BJP and JDU has already taken shape ahead of the third phase which will largely be in northeastern part of the state. On the back foot on governance question both mr kumar and prime minister narendra modi are focusing more on emotive issues that can polarize the voters both try to foment fear among voters by warning them of return of rjd misgovernance that ended 15 years ago mr modi had cited the ram temple in ayodhya and kashmir policy as the bjp's differentiators if this don't dominates the field until the, the third phase there will be considerable cost to social harmony and democratic norms The fourth article of the day is uncivil proposal. Court verdicts in unrelated cases shouldn't be a ruse to curb personal freedom to marry. The astounding proposals by Uttar Pradesh and Haryana to enact a law to curb what they call love jihad reeks of a vicious mix of patriarchy and communalism. Propounded by Uttar Pradesh Chief Minister 
योगी आदित्यनाथ द डिस्टेबल आइडिया अमाउंट्स टू लेजिटिमाइजिंग अ टर्म दैट कंस्टिट्यूट्स अ ब्लैट एंड स्लर अगेंस्ट इंटरफेथ मैरिजेस एंड रिलेशनशिप्स इन विच वन ऑफ द पार्टीज इज मुस्लिम मैन द ऑस्टेंसिबल रीजन फॉर ब्रिंगिंग इन such a law seems to be that the honor of hindu women is under threat from jealous muslim youths seeking to win over girls from other communities for religious conversions in the name of love and marriage the flaws in the concept are quite obvious there is no legal sanction to self serving in political terms such as love jihad and there can be no legislation based on extra legal concept in any case legislative's intervention in marriages involving consenting adults will be clearly unconstitutional the domain of matrimony is occupied by separate laws governing weddings that takes place under religious traditions as well as the special marriage act which enables a secular marriage including between couples from different faiths Mr Adityanath who has also threatened those allegedly operating in secret by concealing their identities and uh, his Haryana counterpart Manohar Lal seems to making the same mistake using the term love jihad in a communal sense and speaking about the marriages as if they were not a matter of personal choice they were do well to remember that earlier this year the reunion home ministry made it clear that the term is not defined in law while replying to a parliamentary question investigation into marriages that purportedly raised such a suspicion also failed to find any substance in the allegations the immediate context for these leaders to go out on a limb about curbing interfaith marriage is a recent allahabad high court judgment that frowned upon religious conversions solely for the purpose of marriage and the horrible murder of a 20 year old woman in faridabad by a stalker who happened to be a muslim by no stretch of imagination can the murder used to denounce consensual interfaith relationships regarding the court verdict the interfaith relationships uh, the court had declined to intervene on a red petition seeking police protection for a recently married couple not uh, noting that the bride had converted from islam to hinduism solely for the purpose of marriage it had found such an expedient conversion unacceptable Citing a similar 2014 verdict in which the court had questioned the bona fides of conversions without change of heart or any conventions in the tenets of new religion, although the court strayed from the issue at hand, its objective was to underscore that conversion should not become a should not become a device. It is indeed salutary as a principle that interfaith couples retain their religious beliefs separately and opt for marriage under the Special Marriage Act. However this principle cannot be used to derogate from personal choice or become a ruse to interfere in the individual freedom to forge matrimonial alliances